If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 27 this morning. Acts chapter 27. We're, gonna, we're, we're continuing to follow Paul on his journey. He's now been taken, is being taken to Rome. We, we looked last week, he had his trial before Agrippa, and he retold the story of how he was sent by the chief priests to persecute the church, and then had an encounter with Christ on that road to Damascus, and then was sent by Jesus to, to be a witness to him to the world. And so we, we, that's where we kind of left off last week. Now he has, he, he had the trial before Agrippa because he had asked as a Roman citizen, he asked for a trial before Caesar. And so Agrippa even says at the end of the trial, I'd have let this guy go, except he appealed to Caesar. Now he has to go to Rome. So that's the, the, the journey that Paul is on, is going to Rome now. Now, he's going as a prisoner in a ship, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> it, uh, it, 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 you can see from our memory verse, uh, the ship gets battered by a storm. It gets, in fact, destroyed, ultimately. And so uh, this is a shipwreck, and it's, it, it's the storm, and there's just that, that's kind of where we're picking up. And there are some parallels here between the story of Paul and the shipwreck and, and the storm and the the story of Jonah and his storm. There's a huge difference, though. Jonah ran into the storm because he was being disobedient. Paul was being obedient. He was a prisoner on a ship. He couldn't do it. He, he, he wasn't the one in charge. He couldn't tell them where to go. He couldn't tell them when to go. And so Paul's being obedient, but the storm comes anyway. And so we're going to talk about the storms in life today. Now, it is interesting uh, in the text, in, in the first part of, of chapter 27, it talks about we traveled, and it, and it talks about Paul's companions. And so, you know, I, I mentioned when we started the, uh, the study of Luke, or study of Acts, that Luke, the physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote the, the Acts, Acts of the Apostles, or Acts of the Holy Spirit, as I prefer and so it appears from the text at the first part of chapter 27 that, that Luke is actually along for the ride. He's not a prisoner. He is a passenger because it talks about additional travelers. And so the only reason that's important is this, that, that Luke is giving us a firsthand account of what happened here. It isn't something that Paul told Luke later. It isn't something... Luke was there. And because he was there, he's giving us a first-hand account of everything that happens. And so, kind of the context here, Paul and the prisoners and the passengers get on this ship and they start, start this journey to Rome, and a storm comes up. The ship begins to be battered. This is a northeaster, a nor'easter, as they call them along the east coast. And so that it, it makes travel nearly impossible. So they travel very, very slowly for a few days and then just have to throw, anchor, uh, throw an anchor in a harbor because they can't make it any further. And so that's kind of where we're picking up the story. They, they set out again after throwing anchor down in the first harbor. They set out again, but the storm is just battering them. In fact, verse 20 of chapter 27 
says they didn't see the sun or the stars for days. So here, here they are on the ship, and they are losing hope. And so Paul, let's pick up in verse 21 and read the story of what Paul has to say. So Acts chapter 27, verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night an angel of, of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe that God will be just the way... I believe it will, that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run, against, run aground on some island. So Paul kind of starts this out with an I told you so. I told you we shouldn't travel. But it's a different I told you so than we tend to do. We tend to do, use that I told you so when we think we're smarter than somebody, right? I told you so. And, and, and it's, we're, we're essentially saying, I'm smarter than you, and you should have listened to me. But that's not how Paul is, is using it. Paul is saying, God told me this. You should be listening to God. I told you not to go because God said not to go. Now I'm telling you, please listen to God this time. You should have listened last time. You didn't. So listen this time. Please listen to God. And, and then he, he tells them what the promise that, that Paul, or that God gave them. God said everybody on that ship would survive. The ship would not, but everybody on that ship would survive. All they have to do is stay in the promise, stay on the ship. All they have to do is, is trust God. Now, Paul is, and, and, a, and a, his few companions, Luke and whoever else, they're the only believers on this ship. So the rest of this ship is unbelievers. So when we start thinking about the storm, we start wondering why does the storm come when Paul's being obedient, right? Why does the storm, maybe you've asked this question of God in your own life. Why is this storm coming? I'm being obedient. Well, as we look at this story, we see that Paul's faith begins to change the unbelievers. So maybe storms come in our lives because some, there's an unbeliever in our life that needs to see our faith. Maybe storms come, sometimes they come because we have sin in our lives that we need to repent of, we need to fix. Sometimes they come because we are being disobedient. But maybe it comes because somebody around us needs to see our faith. That's what, that's, I'm convinced, that's what's going on with Paul here. Paul's faith was strong. Paul was saying, God promised, so you, we're fine. Don't worry about a thing. Now, kind of hard to do for these folks, but they're, they're, he's telling them, trust God, because God told me that this would happen. God told me you're going to be fine. 
So storms can come in our lives so that the unbelievers around us see how we go through them. See how our faith drives us. Because I think, again, that's what we have with Paul here. And some of the unbelievers in the, in the next part of the story here, some of, the, some of these unbelievers, they let down a skiff, a, a dinghy, and they say, we're getting off this ship. We're, we're, I am out. <laughs> I don't want any part of this anymore. And, and Paul says, don't let them leave because the only way they, they survive this is if they stay in the promise. God promised to save everybody on this ship. He didn't promise to save everybody on a dinghy. He promised to, keep, to save everyone on the ship. And so, some of the unbelievers actually cut the ropes on this dinghy, uh, on this little skiff. They cut the ropes so that nobody can leave the ship. So, Paul's faith in the midst of this storm is starting to make a difference in the unbelievers. They're starting to believe that if they stick with the promise, if they stay on the ship, they're going to be okay. They're going to survive. And so, they cut the ropes on the skiff. So let's, let's pick up the story from there in verse 33 of chapter 27. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And after he broke it, he began to eat. They all were encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had, eat, when they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard. So, so Paul encourages them again now. He, he, he encourages them encourages them both physically and spiritually. He tells them, you got to eat. It's been 14 days. Now, the text kind of gives us the idea that, that these guys, these 276, are, are actually too nervous, too anxious to eat. They're too upset to eat. Kind of gives us that impression. And so, Paul says, no, you got to eat. you got to eat. Telling them again, not a hair on your head will, will be lost. Not a hair on your head will be lost. God's promise. He's asking them to trust God's promise. He's, he's asking them, God told me that none of you will, will, will die. That all of you will survive. So, will you trust what God says? And they eat. It works. They eat. They begin to eat. Did you notice... The way that's worded, there's almost a, uh, a Lord's Supper feel to that, isn't it? The way that it talks about him breaking bread and giving thanks. and There's almost a, 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 a Lord's Supper feel to this. What's interesting is, is when it says, uh, this is for your survival, the literal Greek translation is, this is for your salvation. So there's, there's actually a lot of... Uh, of commentators on the book of Acts that say this is really all about their salvation, not just their survival. This is about their spiritual salvation, not just their physical survival. And, and, it, and it's interesting because it really can be taken both ways. 
It can be understood both ways. They do have to eat to survive physically, but they have to stay on the boat and stay in the promise in order to survive spiritually. To be saved, you have to stay in the promise. And the promise is that you will be saved. So there, there is a, a, a kind of a Lord's Supper feel to this. And, and think about if it is, if it is a Lord's Supper feel, what does the Lord's Supper celebrate? The Lord's Supper celebrates who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. And so, does Paul do the Lord's Supper with these 276 unbelievers? He may have. There's, there's kind of that feel to the language. But regardless of whether, that's, whether it's a Lord's Supper or just bread for survival, he is talking both about physical survival and spiritual survival. He is telling us that if we want to be saved, stay in the promise. Stay in the promise. Don't try and get away. Stay in the promise. And so they throw their food supply overboard. It says in, in, in that last verse, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. They are now trusting God's promise because that's their food. They are now saying we're in God's hands because they have no food left. They throw it overboard. They're now trusting the promise of God. They're now trusting that God will save them as Paul told them he would. So back to the idea of the storms coming in life. Sometimes the storm comes so that the unbeliever sees your faith. Sometimes the, the storm comes so that the unbeliever sees how you go through it. Because storms have a way of revealing faith. It was a, a, someone once said, a crisis does not make a man. A crisis shows what a man's made of. And, and we used to have a... Uh, uh, Sunday school teacher. Many, many in this room had a Sunday school teacher. You'll recognize as soon as I say this, he used to say, faith ain't faith till you got nothing else left. We all know who I'm talking about now. <laughs> faith ain't faith till you have nothing else left. Storms in life reveal faith or they reveal unbelief. This storm has revealed Paul's faith. And so, and it's made a difference. Look at the differences made. They cut the, the skiffs so that nobody could get off the ship, and now they have thrown their food overboard, figuring they are trusting what God had to say. They're trusting what Paul said God told him. They're not trusting. Storms also have a way of building faith. Storms come in our lives to build our faith. You know, faith is, uh, faith is like a muscle. If it isn't exercised, it gets weak. It atrophies like an unused muscle. Faith has to be used to be strong. Paul's faith is pretty strong. Paul's in pretty good shape faith-wise here, isn't he? Because we have read through the book of Acts, we've seen how many things Paul has been up against, riots and, and being stoned and, and, and people throwing him out of the gates of the city and being arrested and, We've seen his faith in action. Faith is a, like a muscle that has to be used. So storms have a way of building our faith. They have a way of, of making us stand 
on our faith, as Paul did here. So, so if this storm that, that, that may be in your life right now is for the unbelievers in your life, let it reveal your faith and let it build your faith. Reveal who, who you really believe in, what you really believe, and let it build your faith. Watch the promise of God. Watch the deliverance of God. Now, I think it's also important to, to point out that no matter what the storm is, this is a pretty terrible storm. This is battering the ship. This is the days without the sun or stars showing. This is a pretty tough storm. And yet, Paul could hear the voice of God. Doesn't matter what the storm is in your life, it cannot drown out the voice of God. It cannot drown out the face of God. It cannot. No matter what the storm is that you're facing, it cannot hide God from you. Let it reveal your faith. Let it build your faith. And let it be a time of turning back to God. So as we, as we look at this story, we see that, that Paul is, is following the will of God, and yet the storm comes anyway. But we see Paul's faith in the promise God gives him in the midst of the storm. We see Paul sharing that promise and that faith with all of this ship. And we see it making a difference. Because they cut the skiff loose so they can't get off the ship. And they pour their, their grain overboard, giving up their food supply. Because they are now trusting what Paul said. They're now trusting that God will save them. Storms come in life. In this life, we will face storms. Sometimes they come because of our own sin to bring us back. Sometimes they come because some, the, the sin of someone else, the unbeliever needs to see how our faith works how our faith drives us through the storm. Sometimes it comes to reveal our faith and build our faith. It comes so that we come out stronger. We come out the other end of this, having heard the voice of God. If you're in the midst of a storm right now, you are facing a storm right now, listen for the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. Hear the promise of God in the midst of the storm. Paul heard it and acted on it. And his actions made a difference in 276 lives. Listen for the voice of God in the midst of the storm, as Paul did. There is, there is a promise of salvation here. As a matter of fact, this is almost like a parable on faith and salvation, isn't it? This whole story almost reads like a parable on faith and, and salvation. Stay in the promise of salvation, no matter what the storm is, because you will be saved. Like the boat. There is, there is a strong parable idea here. But I think what we must learn as we face storms every day, it can feel like our ship is being battered. It can feel like we're going to be crushed on the rocks. 
But the storm comes to reveal our faith, to build our faith. The storm comes so we, we seek the voice of God in the midst of it. Listen for the voice of God and stay in the promise. You will be saved. Stay in the promise. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. I don't know what storm you are facing today. But I know the God who made the promise. I know the the faithful God never, never breaks a promise. So will you Will you listen for the voice of the promise? Maybe this morning, you don't know God at all. You have no relationship with him. You don't know what the the sound of his voice even sounds like. You can know him this morning. He has made a way in Jesus Christ, his son. You can know him this morning in, in a simple prayer. We, we simply say, God, I, I acknowledge that I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died to save me, to give me the promise of salvation. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life that I might hear your voice and hang on to your promise. If you prayed that prayer for the first time,